Well, this week is number three in our series, Return, A Journey to Healthy Relationships. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I do have someone helping me this morning. Don't be scared. This is the most dangerous and risky of all those I've asked to help. But we're trying to understand what it is to have healthy relationships in that journey because we never finish it. It is ongoing. And we looked at commitment the first week and to be fiercely and passionately committed to our relationships, our friendships, our sibling relationships, parent-child, as well as marriages, friends, and even as we have painfully uncovered our enemies, so to speak. Last week, we looked at cooperation, not just going along to get along, but truly to live in harmony with one another. Now, we're still in our same scripture passage in the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. But this morning, what we're looking at with this is what it means in healthy relationships to have community. Because there are no healthy relationships outside of community. Big community, small community. But to have community in our relationships is a powerful, powerful thing. And I think you have a definition of community somewhere. Well, I have to admit, when he said, okay, the topic's going to be community, I was like, okay, wait, how are you fitting that into relationships? Because when I think of community, I think of, you know, Sterling is the community. And different times when we've been ready to move, we usually look up online and find out, well, how, what kind of community is it? What are the schools like? What kind of activities do they have? And, and what's the population, you know, in this community? So I had trouble wrapping my brain around that word. I tried to get him to change it, but he wouldn't. So. <laughs> but basically, I found a real simple definition, and it says, where everyone is pulling in the same direction. And this only happens if someone leads. And that's not it. That's your phrase. The condition of sharing or having certain attitudes and interests in common. In other words, you know, we, we do like the same things and we're hanging out with each other, kind of. Um, I think most of us have been involved and, and probably now are involved in some kind of community. Uh, our kids may be on a sports team or in a dance troupe or something like that or you're in an exercise group or a gardening club or a Bible study. And I remember when our kids were playing sports that we parents became a community because we would drive our kids to the zillion practices they need to be at and maybe take turns to help each other out. We would uh, fix food for them. We would be at their games all together up in the bleachers, rooting them on, booing refs if we needed to. Or <laughs> what? No, we didn't do that. But... Basically, we bonded together because we were doing life together. And sometimes I think we call it, uh, it's my tribe, not maybe not community, or my people, or my gang, or our peeps, <laughs> our family, our church community. And for me, there's no greater community than our body of Christ. It was really important for us uh, when our kids were growing up that they knew that the church community was a priority. It had nothing to do with uh, Denny being in ministry because we started it 
way before that. Not that they had to be at every single thing happening at the church, but they knew it was priority to be there on Sunday mornings. They knew it was priority to be to youth group. And at times, they didn't want to go to youth group. And I gave them my phrase, you can choose to have a good time and enjoy it, or you can choose not to, but you're going. Uh, that's one of my, <laughs> my mom phrases that my girls uh, and son now use with their kids. But the church community is a lot like a family. Sometimes there's tears, sometimes there's laughter, there's accountability, there's learning and growing together, and sometimes there's even disagreements that we have to work through. But don't we do that in our own families? Because we love our families so much, we're going to work through whatever we need to. And we aren't just getting together once a week with our church community. Kind of like it's, okay, I'm going to go and it's, I'll get checked off my list. I went to church. But we're doing life together. And we're learning how Jesus loves us and how can we show Jesus to others. Uh, we're supposed to be known by our love for each other. So, community, a church community is really important. The question I want you to ponder this morning all through this message is what kind of a community are you creating in your relationships? Now, don't try to cop out and answer it, here's the community I'm in. No, I'm asking what type of community are you creating in your communities? your family, your small group, Sunday school class, the group you work with, the, the neighborhood, as well as the whole body of Christ. And think about that while we look at the scripture. Romans 12, beginning of verse 9, says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. In community, we bless others. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. We are in community and we are to be blessing others. 
not just those who are in your community, whichever community you're describing at that time, but the Scripture told us we're also to bless those who have hurt us. Ouch. To bless the person who's hurt me. You see, Jesus is our example of that. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. All of them. The ones who put him there, the ones who lied to put him there, those who beat him, those who nailed him, those who guarded him, those who made fun of him. To bless even those who have hurt you. But we also need to bless those who have helped you. Sometimes we don't know what to say, so we say nothing. Thank you's good. Giving them a thank you to let them know that you appreciate whatever it is they may have done or how they've been there for you or how they prayed for you. Remember in this passage, it says, be constant in your prayer for one another and for all. And then in community, we have to understand, verses 12 and 15 tell us that we need to rejoice and to weep with others. Which one of those is harder for you? Oh, it's easy. It's, no, it's not always easy, right? It's not always easy to rejoice with someone who's had good things if I've had bad things. Or especially if what they got is what I wanted. Satan creeps in and has us start thinking some of those lousy thoughts like, well, I deserve that more than they do. Yeah, we've had those thoughts, right? And then to weep with those who weep. You see, what happens if we're in true community in our own family relationship, in a church relationship, a neighborhood, co-workers, whatever the group or tribe may be, we need to share in both the blessing and the difficulty. When I was teaching school, when students would whine or complain, which almost never happened until the first bell, we, I mean, we, to hear some of that, and they would moan about the work or whatever it might have been, and I had a standard line, which I don't know if it's good theologically, but it worked. And that was, hey, life's tough, then you die. It's not wrong. It wasn't a great blessing. It did keep the whining down to a minimum. But we need to share in both the difficulty and the blessing. We remember those who share in those things with us. Those who can truly cheer us on. And those who really weep with us. To understand that is a powerful thing of our community. You see, there is no community without sharing both of those things. If somebody only rejoices with you but never weeps with you, it's not a real community, is it? And if somebody only shows up to weep but never to rejoice, 
you're now suspicious. You realize in the time, the New Testament time, when there was a tragedy that took place, a loss of life or something, there were professional mourners that you could hire. (laughs) Some of you are going, oh, I could do that one. (laughs) Sports teams have professional cheerleaders. I don't even know if they like the team. They're just getting paid to cheer. But those who are in community with you, it matters when they cheer for you, doesn't it? It's not just noise. It's a connection. It's called community. Dads, we ought to be leading the way in our families in building community, getting us all going in the same direction, pulling together for each other. Do you remember tug-of-war? I mean, the actual game, not, not relational tug-of-war. But I mean, the actual event of the big rope, and you put the flag in the middle of it, and there was a, a line on, on either side. And if you could get the flag to that side, your team won. And the key to tug-of-war was never who had the biggest or strongest people. It was which side would pull together the best. I've seen some teams with some pretty strong people get defeated by teams of people that didn't look so strong. But it's because they got their rhythm. They were pulling together. In our families, we need that kind of community. And that happens when we can weep with each other as well as rejoice with each other. To have that blessing of knowing that it's fun to cheer when someone else does well. Because it mattered to us. Returning to healthy relationships in the rejoicing and the weeping. I think you kind of have a thing with when you're doing ladies' ministries and Bible studies that you have something you strive for. I always like the ladies to laugh together first and share that emotion together. And then maybe we're going to be ready then to cry together. So, but I'm kind of a jokester anyway at times. <laughs> I'm just funny. My, just watch me. I'll, I'll make you laugh some way or another. <laughs> but the whole point of that is it builds community. That laughing together is kind of the rejoicing. And the crying together is connecting hearts and minds together. I have people so often say to me when They're about to go to a funeral visitation and say, I don't know what to say. I said, it doesn't matter what you say. You don't really need to say anything. Just show up. Be there. That ministry of presence is powerful. Just like those who weep together and those who rejoice together. To journey back to healthy relationships in community, we need to give generously. Verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Generosity, four areas of generosity. Generosity of your time, that's a powerful one. Generosity of yourself, just who you are and what you bring to the community. Generosity of your heart, the deep side of you, not just the surface And generosity of your resources. I think we are such a busy 
society nowadays. I mean, we could tell a lot about each of you if we looked at your calendar, probably. And we can become so busy, and not that that's bad, because I think being in, in communities at school or sports teams where your kids are, I desperately want to get to know other people and be with them and hopefully show Christ to them. But we get so busy, I think church just becomes uh, activity to, to mark off for the week. And I think what Jesus was saying, you know, let us not uh, forsake meeting together. There's something, I'm so thrilled we're back together. Watching online was okay, because I could drink my coffee right there, had my jammies on. But it's not the same as being with each other and having eyeball to eyeball with each other and sharing with each other. I'm so thankful for many people that were in our kids' lives. I think back, in fact, I've written thank you notes to some of our youth, past youth leaders, not just a, a pastor, but leaders that were in there because they influenced our kids' lives. They needed to see more than just Denny and I. They needed to see other families living out Jesus in their life. They needed to see strong marriages. They needed to see people who loved to get into God's word and share together. And it was so important for them to be with those various leaders. And without crying here, I'll just say, when it comes to giving of your time of yourself, uh, Denny is at the top. I didn't totally understand what unconditional love was before we got married. And it's not that my mom and dad didn't try to give that. They just, I just always kind of felt like I need to act a certain way in order to get that love from mainly my mom. <laughs> that was the only way she knew. She wasn't doing it, being it bad. It was just the way she knew. So when I came to Jesus, I thought, okay, I can tell him I love him if, if I act a certain way and I'm perfect in all these ways. And I didn't understand that he loved me no matter what. And then we got married, and there's whole stories to talk about that. But he showed me. She ran really hard chasing me. It was... <laughs> That's such a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Dads and moms and aunts and uncles and grandparents and just friends, we need to be able to give our time to one another. And I know sometimes it's like, oh, I... Uh, I don't have time to commit to this ministry in the church or whatever, but, yeah, we need to make time for that. It's so important for us to be involved in each other's lives through, through church and through different things that are happening in our body of believers. Um, but this is Father's Day, so I just wanted to at least mention Danny because he gives totally of his time, of himself. Anything he has, he gives to us. And I'm so thankful for that. And we need strong women and men. But since this Father's Day, I'm going to say we need strong men to be the leader in homes, to be the leader in the church body, to be the leader in, at your workplace, whatever it might be. We need to give generously of ourselves to other people. And that giving of your time is such a powerful thing. Go to, I, I've mentioned this before, but you go to any school program at any age level, it, it's a little easier to determine it at elementary. 
But those kids that come walking out, even though they're not supposed to, they look out at the audience, and the first thing is trying to find who's there for them. Who gave up the time to be there? You know what? I never enjoyed one single junior high band concert that I attended. <laughs> True confession. I never enjoyed one time listening to hot cross buns on the recorder. But I loved my kids and my grandkids. And on some of those occasions when we drove three hours one way to go to a 45-minute program to see one of them and then drove back home. But I wanted them to know we were willing to invest the time. My parents did that. And I just thought it was the normal thing to do. But to give of your time is to give of yourself. And when you give of yourself, other people notice. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Sometimes it's just taking a moment to ask somebody how they're doing and then wait for the answer. Our son put up a quote um, the other day. It says, every community ultimately produces what it values. So I have to ask myself, what am I producing? Because it's going to show whatever I value is going to be coming out of me and producing. So every community ultimately produces what it values. And we're not speaking of the physical resources, products. We mean character, relationship, and what we value what we cheer for and what we weep over matters. And people are watching that. And in being generous with our time, being generous with ourself, being generous with our resources, you know, it is so awesome to recognize the value that people have placed into this church community over the years. We're the beneficiaries of that sitting here today. And the question is, what will we be providing for those who come after us by how generous we are with ourselves, with our time, with our resources, whatever it may be, to be generous. And in community, there is no win in our relationships or win in our communities unless we are being overcomers. Verse 21, excuse me, yeah, verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. To understand the power and the value of holding on to what matters most and passing that along. I remember reading several years ago, Dr. Jim Dobson uh, had written and talked about his son and daughter fussing with each other. And one day it was just too much for him. It was encouraging to me to have Dr. Jim Dodson, who was the guru of family relationships and marriage and all that parenting, who got frustrated at once in a while with his kids. And he talked about grabbing his kids each by the collar, marching them to the front picture window and saying, look out there. Said, that's a tough, cruel world out there, and there are a lot of people out there that aren't on your side, but in here, we have each other's back. Now, remember that. 
Sometimes we need to be reminded, I got your back. Sometimes we need to be reminded, I'm here for you. And in community, there is no win without overcoming. Everyone has something to overcome. Satan tries to tell you if you're in a tough situation, nobody else has to overcome stuff like you do. Everyone has something to overcome or something they have just overcome. And we all need help with that. That's the community. But we only overcome ultimately with Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's the only real community we can build is when we have him in us. And then that's what comes out of us. Because we do produce what we value. If we value relationship with Christ, we will begin producing those relationships. If we value the family, we will begin producing families. If we value friendships, we will produce friendships. What kind of community are you creating in your relationships? How often are you mentioning Christ in those relationships? If you're a follower of him, it ought to be often. Not, not preaching at them, just mentioning Christ. So that that becomes part of the forefront and it becomes the foundation of our communities. I was thinking as you were saying that the scripture, um, no greater love has a man than he would lay down his life. And I always used to picture that and I'm sure it is um, reminiscent of Jesus laying down his life for us. But sometimes in order for me to to care about you, I have to lay aside my life for the day or for the moment and be with you. So we have to lay down our lives, our busy schedules, our, our desire sometimes to help and love on someone else. And how we accept people matters. Just an acceptance of it's good to see you, an acceptance of acknowledging people and let me just compliment and thank you for your investment in welcoming us. But not just us, because you kind of had us. I mean, you, you didn't really have a lot of choice. But you also welcomed our grandson, Braden, who got caught up in the move because he was living with us. <laughs> so we told him, guess what? You're moving. But you welcomed him. And you can be praying for him. This is his last Sunday with us. He's moving to Portland, Oregon uh, to pursue some other stuff and with some friends and uh, heading out across country later this week. But I want to thank you for your investment in him and your welcoming of him. It was a picture of community. So let's make sure that's not isolated. Let's make sure we're looking around and seeing who's here and who's not here. Making sure those that are here know, man, are we glad you're in our community. And those who are not here, making sure they know, boy, we have missed you in our community. And those who aren't anywhere, that we are reaching out to them in the name of Jesus. Letting them know there is a community that welcomes you with open arms. What kind of community are you creating in your relationships. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you.
for loving us so fiercely, so unconditionally, and sacrificially. May we follow that example with others. Lord, help us to create that community in our homes, with our friends, even with some of our enemies. And may we choose to create community in the body of Christ. Lord, help us not to be all individual pockets, but may we join our hearts and our minds, our efforts and our resources, our time together to encourage, to support, to uplift, and to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Lord, may you just keep nagging us with that question this week. What kind of community are we creating in our relationships? And may the answer be the type of community you desire. May the answer be one full of love and grace. One where we give generously of ourselves and our time and our resources to your glory. Father, I plead these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.